Hush on your side. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, where Wednesday is mug day with $7 Cousin Cocktails, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, CMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 10 to noon, Miller and Condon, welcome to it as we uh, take you for another old 50 minutes or thereabouts. Bottom of the hour, we're going to refresh our memories on the Big 12 football-wise, all these point spreads coming out. Who's there, who's not, who's going to be good? Oklahoma uh, seemingly is going to be uh, everybody's favorite, but uh, who else should we be paying attention to? Uh, Matt Postens will help us out with that at the bottom of the hour. Well, it's Game 3 tonight, much anticipated, after we saw Boston just get blown out in Game 2 by Golden State. Wiggins wasn't great in that game. No. Thompson wasn't great in that game, and they still crushed. Poole had a flurry, but... Jordan Poole's so inconsistent. Yep. It just this is an intriguing series. We got a series. Can we get a good game though? Can we get a good uh, game? That's man, all I ask for. Uh, let's get John Cannon to opine on this. Uh, John Trent Ken, thanks for coming back on. How are you, John Cannon? I'm fine. That's a really good question, Trent. Blow up. I mean, that's yeah. Um, even though game one wasn't, you know, really a blowout. But it felt like it. Yep. It felt like if they played another five minutes, um, Boston could have won by 40. Um, but but game two was over early. That a whole, basically, uh, Boston let go of the rope with 11 minutes to go. Yeah. Um, and here's, here's where that could come back to haunt them. Steph Curry didn't play the whole fourth quarter. Nope. And, and they love when Steph Curry doesn't play the whole fourth quarter. Right. And especially when he's got two nights off after that. Uh-huh. And I remember the first series the Warriors played in the finals against the Cavs. And their game three, Cleveland kind of did the same thing to the Warriors that the Warriors did to Boston the other night. They got they were up 20 early. But the Warriors never let go of the rope. And LeBron James wound up playing about 38 or 40 minutes in that game. And later in the series, he ran out of gas. So... That's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind um, that uh, he pulled, you know, the Celtics pulled their young, fresh, you know, their young starters. And those guys, those guys shouldn't need, you know, to, to not play the fourth quarter in order to be fresh, except for Smart, who, you know, had the injury issue and, and Williams. But the rest of those guys, you know, could have played and, and didn't. And I, I just thought that was an interesting decision that they made. Yeah, Tatum was on the bench. Uh, well, well, we'll see. So I, I keep coming back, uh, John, to. You know, just kind of where we started. Thompson didn't have his best night at 11. He's better. He's, he's got, I mean, he's not the same guy, we don't think, but he certainly can go off on any given night to, for, for more than 11. Uh, Wiggins has been good throughout the entire playoffs. He only had 11, and Boston was hammered in that game. That's why I hope it's a long series. Just Golden State looks to me like they're just a better basketball team. Well, it looks to me like they're they're figuring it out, right, Ken? I mean, that, that's that's what they do in these in these long series is they figure it out, and and what they're figuring out first of all is that Wiggins needs help offensively because he is working so hard on defense and so well 
that you can't look to him to also provide offense in this series. So it's going to have to be other, you know, and Poole did step up uh, with that flurry at the end of the third quarter. They wound up being really the dagger series after Curry had hit, you know, several pretty open threes. And, and that's something it, it comes down to turnovers. Um, the, the Celtics basically said that yesterday and, and it's right because if the Warriors get live ball turnovers and they can get in transition, Boston does not match up well in transition. The Warriors are really hard to match up with anyway because they have ways of hiding Curry in transition, and all of a sudden he's wide open for a three. So that's a big deal. Boston needs this to be a half-court game. Their half-court defense is very good and very long and big. We talked about that last Mm -hmm. week. That's the biggest challenge for the Warriors is the length of the Celtics. But again, Poole, first game, he went in and got a bunch of stuff blocked at the rim. Second game, especially this his second stint in game two, he did not do that. He went in and made a great pass to Looney, and then he hit a mid-range, and then he hit a couple of threes. He's not, he's not going to be taking the ball in against Robert Williams anymore. I think the Warriors are all convinced. Okay, let's not take the ball in against Robert Williams anymore. Right. Did you see Wiggins when he had that steal in game one? I did, yes. And he had a breakaway, but yeah. it was Robert Williams. Uh-huh. And he took it to him, and Williams blocked it. They got lucky because Williams stepped out of bounds. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think they've got that part figured out. They're not going up against Robert Williams at the, at the rim anymore. It's a good thought. Well, what are the most simple stats? We talk about three-point shooting all the time. You make a lot of threes, and the other team doesn't. You're going to win in today's basketball. But another one for Boston has been turnovers. And... This stat, stat was just absolutely flooring that I read here today. When they have 15 turnovers or fewer, they're 13-2 and two in the playoffs. When they have 16 turnovers or more, they're 0-5. It's a team that's not built with a prototypical point guard. That's not Marcus Smart. That's not what he is. We've seen Tatum struggle with his handles at times. Certainly Brown has had issues handling the basketball here. Seems pretty simple, right? Get them going faster than they want. Turn them over. You're going to be- beat the Boston Celtics. Is it that simple, John? Yes. And, and here's, here, and it's personified by a name that we talked about last week, Gary Payton mm-hmm. II. Mm-hmm. That, that was the difference in game two. The 25 minutes he played instead of the 15 minutes that Andre Iguodala played, that was the difference in game two. I thought it would be addition by subtraction. I think I texted you after the game, yeah. Trent, that I thought, I thought Iguodala killed him in game one. He was, he was un, unfocused. He was throwing the ball all over the place. He made a couple of defensive mistakes. He committed a foul or contributed to a foul being committed with 1.5 seconds left to go in the third um, when the Warriors still had that lead, and they needed every bit of that lead, as it turned out, and more. Um, but they committed a foul with 1.5 seconds, and he was part of that. He, I don't think he, he got the foul, but he was right in there. And, and I thought they should not have brought him back in the fourth quarter. I thought he showed in the second quarter that he was not – ready after being out for a month he was not ready to play at that level in that game and yet they put him out there in the fourth quarter and later i heard peyton had been cleared by doctors but only for very spot duty and so they just decided let's not play him and he was fully good to go in game two and man he changes everything because as you said tatum doesn't have a good handle smart doesn't have a great handle brown doesn't have a great handle and Gary Payton II will take your lunch money from you if you don't have a good handle. And even if you do, he's no picnic. I mean, a lot of times in the Memphis series before Morant got hurt, Morant, they throw him the ball, 
inbounding, he throw it to somebody else to bring it up the floor because Peyton was on him. Hmm. Guys don't want to bring the ball up against him. Watch this part of this game. I know you have listeners who bet on different parts of the game, and they watch the game very closely. Well, watch whoever Gary Payton is guarding and see how often that player does not bring the ball up because it's too much trouble. But then he gets into passing lanes, he goes over screens, and if you've got a weakness in your handle, he's going to find it. So that does rush players. The speeding up players, that's exactly the term I've heard, Trent, that you just used. It, it got Boston out of their comfort zone, and it contributes to those live ball turnovers. I mean, a turnover where the ball goes out of bounds, that's that's not good, obviously, but it's not like the live ball turnovers that turn into fast breaks. And that's the other thing Peyton does is he pushes the pace. When they get a turnover or even a rebound and he's in the game, it, the pace of the game, and I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but it's significantly faster when he's in the game than when he's not. You know, Draymond kind of has the same effect, but there are other players that even when they get a turnover or a rebound, they're just ready to walk the ball off the court. Well, against Boston, that's deadly. You get them, let them get set in their half-court defense, and it's really can, can be a problem. So keep an eye on that tonight. Is the live ball turnovers that turn into buckets. I mean, the the number of points the Warriors got off, it was 18 turnovers or something like that. The yeah, it was. Had, yep. They got 33 points. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should get one point per turnover, basically. Warriors got almost two. Yeah, a huge difference in the basketball game. You know, I hate to steal a line from Lee Sterling, but I think the wrong team's favorite. I really do. I mean, Golden State. Well, I can see tonight that the, the expectation in Boston is that you know, it's Boston's going to bring back their physical game that they had. Yeah, but Marcus Smart's a shell game too. Mark, and and part of that is Marcus Smart, who is abs- without a doubt he's hurt. I mean, he was bad in game two. He didn't play a bunch, but uh, what five? Ter- I'm looking at his line. Five turns. He's one for six, zero oh for three. Uh, from uh, from three point right? played twenty five minutes had five assists but four turnovers five turnovers hmm. uh, he's not the same guy wrong team's favored in this John well the, the Warriors really stepped up their defense and and stepped up and and again with Peyton it just makes a huge because now you got Wiggins and Peyton two great wing defenders that makes a that's a lot different than one it's almost like a house that has one bathroom and another house has two bathrooms so let me that's ask you a this really big difference no i'm with you so when did wiggins start to focus on the defensive end of the floor because he was allergic to defense in the twin cities oh he's he's played great defense ever since he came to golden state he really has he's been literally a small w warrior for that team even when they were terrible he was good for you know 30 35 minutes a game always guarded the other team's best player and and was and that and and was very happy doing that. And once in a while, he'd score twenty points. And in the playoffs this year, he's been magnificent defensively, and that he's been playing the four defensively in in the most of the series because the, the the first teams they were playing in the Western Conference playoffs were were playing small against them. So Looney was out, Draymond was playing the five, Wiggins was playing the four, and he was guarding like against Memphis. That means you're guarding a really yeah. big guy. <laughs> And and he was doing it, and and he's done it very well. And so that was one thing they were not worried about was was they would have a good defender on either Tatum or Brown, and it would be Wiggins. The first game they had Green on Horford, and the problem with that is that Horford's not interesting enough, and Green kept leaving him, and go to go do other things that were more interesting. And Horford would hit all these threes. Well, the second game they put Green on Brown, and he can't leave Brown. So now Brown's got green on him, Tayton's got Wiggins on him, Peyton's got smart, and that, that's, that's tough. 
Warriors are, are tough defensively when they have that that lineup. John Ken uh, brought up a little bit earlier what we've seen from Clay Thompson. He had, he was great in the closeout game against Dallas, but this has not been certainly the Clay Thompson we're accustomed to. Concerned, nervous, and if it's going poorly again tonight, and they don't have another great third, or it's the end of the third, and he's two of eleven from the field and not playing top level defense, do they make a change? Is it more Jordan yeah. Poole? I think you're going to see a lot more Otto Porter if that happens. Uh-huh. You're going to see a lot more Otto Porter and a lot less Clay Thompson. I think the fourth quarter in Game Two was was Kerr's giving Thompson some run to try to figure it out. And he obviously didn't and couldn't. So I don't think they'll bench him, but I think they'll be quicker to go away. Now, one of the things they're also doing in moving the defense around, and, and Peyton allows them to do this, is now Clay can guard a big. You know, and he's 6'7". Mm-hmm. And, and there are times when, like, Horford has him back down and tries to score over him and, and doesn't. I mean, Clay, Clay can't guard the quick guys anymore. Maybe he'll be able to get back to that level, but he's not there yet. But he can guard bigs down low. So he's doing that. But his scoring, I mean, his his three-point shot, a lot of times it's a turnover. It's a live ball turnover. It's going to bounce almost to half court and turn into a layup the other way. So they really have to, to reel that in. And he should be catching and shooting. He should not be creating. He should not be hunting shots. He should be, you know, run, run a pin down for him. He pops out. He gets the ball. He shoots it. And if he misses a couple of those, then, you know, play defense the rest of the way. And, and, and we'll see, a, you know, back in, in Oakland in game five mm. or San Francisco, I guess. So what, what do you anticipate? We'll get you out of here on this. Uh, is this a – boy, it sure feels like – I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm starting to think that this thing – I mean, we may not even get six games. Is that well, this crazy? is a pretty big one for that. Yeah, if the Warriors say. get this one, you really could be right. I mean, they need to get two. They need, they need to get one out of two. Get a split, Boston. yeah. Everybody knows that. Um, but, man, if they get that first one, they're not going to play like Boston did in game two. No. I mean, like Boston had we got one disease in game two. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, this was the next thing I was going to tell you last week if we'd had a little more time, is that first game – after a team plays a couple of seven gamers, that first game adrenaline gets you through, you know, but then you've got two days off in San Francisco, by the way, (laughs) a place where you can distract yourself at night if you want to. Um, And then to come back and play a game two, when you've already won game one, that's a tough task emotionally for a team. So if the Warriors get game one though, out of these two, they are not going to take. They're going to. They're going to put the hammer down and try to get the game four so they can win game five at home and and end this thing. Better chance. So it's a big big game tonight. Yeah, I'll say. Golden State wins game three or wins game four. What do you give them a better shot at? Or both? Uh, I would say, I take them a better shot in game four because if they lose tonight, I just don't think they will allow themselves to lose game four. Mm-hmm. And it's a two two days off, uh, or one day off rather. Um, and I think that they're they're right now just they're in peak condition. They are really, um, you know, the, again having Peyton back makes a huge difference for all that because nobody everybody else gets a little bit. You know, he just takes so much of the load off the you know because he, he's an on ball defender. I mean, that's a big deal. You got a guy that can give you twenty five minutes on the ball who wasn't playing before. So I know I keep saying that, but uh, I, I would say their their better chance would be Game Four if you if you made me ask. But I think this is a coin flip tonight. 
John Cannon, appreciate you coming on, John. We shall see. Feels like the wrong team's favorite to me, but uh, and it was, it's great that we're, we've got a game three well, I, I, tonight. I'd be happy to chat with you Thursday if you have time. Or well, we've we got Bobby week. Hansen tomorrow to opine on, uh, on this tomorrow, but uh, we'll grab you next week, all right? Okay, sounds great. Thank you, John. John Cannon, as we uh, check in with him, get his thoughts on game three. Am I crazy? Do no, you, not do at all. Do you like Boston? Uh, I like Boston initially. We've seen the numbers. Mm-hmm. They haven't lost back-to-back games in, what, I think 56 games now since they've gone back-to-back losses since what we saw back in 2021 as they really flipped the switch in 2022 in January. So that's where I was initially. But the more that I've dug in, I'll make my play officially later, but I'm taking Golden State. Not the three and a half. No, play them on the money line. Play on the money line. Absolutely. Plus 130. Well, and at Circa... And what are they at Circa? Well, you get a little better price, plus 141. <laughs> Shop around, folks. It's just... It's not every time. Right. No, it's not. But at Circa, it's a majority mm-hmm. of the time. Mm-hmm. And plays out again here with that one. It was 141 when I fired this morning on Golden State on the money line. That's where I'm going to go. I... It was three pretty easy decisions for me today. I don't know. Should I just stay with my three when we get to the picks at the end of the show? You know that's going to be difficult for me. Yeah. Um, look, Curry didn't play. I know Tatum didn't play. Curry was playing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were both playing well. Uh, that's that's unfair to, to say that uh, he was head and shoulders. But Curry was great. Thompson Wiggins did not have a good game offensively. One of those guys will get it going tonight. One of them will. Peyton and I will probably played, what, 25 minutes? So And Boston hasn't been great at home during these playoffs. They're better on the road. Yeah. I think we got the right side of this one. I do, too. Lee Sterling, the wrong team is favored. Boy, I look forward to those Thursdays with Sterling. It just means... It's right around the here. corner. I know it is. It's coming up on 1125. We'll take our time out. Matt Poston's going to help us out. little uh, Big 12 conversation with Mr. Poston's from Heartland College Sports. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3. <laughs> If you're thinking of incorporating or setting up an Iowa LLC, zoom right past LegalZoom and work with Rush Niggett, a Brick Gentry PC. He set up an affordable online small business package that helps you decide whether to form a limited liability company LLC or a corporation. With Rush Niggett's help, it's easy to form your new small business. Rush Niggett, a business lawyer with Brick Gentry Law PC. Go to RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Ryan Ankeny. <laughs> The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com. Trent Condon here for the Grumpy Gavron. Sometimes after arguing with Ken on the radio show, I just need a beer. Or after a long night of calling a game, I just need a beer. Well, my favorite place to stop is the Grumpy Goat Tavern. With two locations in West Des Moines and First Street in Ankeny, where I can stop and grab that cold one. And they have over 50 beers on tap. Of course, my favorite's the domestics, but if you're more adventurous, they have you covered. And it's not just drinks. The Grumpy Goat Tavern takes bar food to a new level. I'll see you next time at the Grumpy Goat Tavern. And planning your perfect pool today. Wolf Construction and Wolf Roofing 
are currently hiring. What makes Wolf Construction a better place to work is that when we think about developing the whole person is important, whether that person is a new carpenter labor on a job site or that person's a project accountant that works in the office. It doesn't matter who. It becomes more than just a job or a company you show up to. It becomes part of the Wolf family. Competitive pay, excellent benefits, and a $1,000 sign-on bonus. Apply today at Wolf Construct Your place. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken and Trent. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Well, as we said over the last couple of days, you really need to go back to school or refresh your course when you uh, leave college football behind in late December, early January, and uh, point spreads start coming out, and you want to get involved, but you're just not familiar with what's left on those rosters. Uh, Matt Poston uh, covers football, and well, he covers everything at Heartland College Sports. He's got his College Football America yearbook that I'm assuming he's up to his you-know-what and uh, trying to get that bad boy to come together, and he joins us. Hello, Matt Poston. Trent and Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you? Oh, got to hit the button here, uh, Matt. My apologies. How are you, Matt Postens? <laughs> Good. I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing? Doing well. Uh, I'm glad to have you on because, uh, look, as, as I mentioned, point spreads are coming out. Seems like Oklahoma's getting a lot of love. This time every year we're looking for that team not named Oklahoma or Texas you know, to be in contention. It wasn't either of them last year. It was Oklahoma State and Baylor who played for a Big 12 championship. But there's a lot of Oklahoma love. Dylan Gabriel taking over at the quarterback position, new head coach, etc. Is Oklahoma, in your mind, deserved of uh, all the love that they seemingly are getting at this point, Matt? Well, I think somewhat. I, I think uh, one of the things you're going to have to take into account with Oklahoma is I think they're going to be solid at the quarterback position, not just because of Dylan Gabriel, but because their offensive coordinator, Jeff Levy, who was at Ole Miss, was at UCF and coached Gabriel before he got to Oklahoma. So they have a rapport, and I think that's going to help them accelerate what they're able to do on offense. Uh, I think at the end of the day, they're going to be in the mix, but I don't think they're Given what they lost in the transfer portal, what but you know players walked away and what players came in, I don't think they're head and shoulders above anybody in the conference, at least on paper. I think I think Baylor can be competitive with them. I think Oklahoma State can be competitive with them. I even think Texas can be competitive with them if a few things fall in place. So um, I think probably more so than in recent years, this is going to be a more competitive conference at the top as opposed to one team being at the top and everybody chasing them. Couple of new coaches make their way into the Big Twelve down in Texas. TCU brings in Sonny Dyke, certainly a name that a lot of people mm-hmm. know. Joey McGuire, though, at Texas Tech, incredibly intriguing. Look at the recruiting class he's already putting together for twenty twenty three. Still ranked second at twenty four seven. Nuts to think about that for Texas Tech. And I know having a lot of commitments is a big part of that there. But of the two new coaches down there in Texas, Sonny Dykes at TCU, McGuire at Texas Tech. Who would you put your bet on? Who's more successful at their job? Um, you know, honestly, I think McGuire. You know, here's a guy who uh, part of the whole reason that Tech wanted him was because of his high school football ties here in Texas. In fact, he and Jeff Trailer, uh, who's the head coach at UTSA and was a, a head coach at Gilmer High School at one point, uh, they're going to be on the cover of uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, which if you know anything about mm-hmm. Texas football, that is a big honor to be on the yeah. cover of that magazine every year. Uh, McGuire was a head coach at a Dallas area high school before he became an assistant coach at Baylor. 
Uh, he has deep recruiting ties within the state. Uh, if you think about the players that Baylor has brought in over the last few years, both under Matt Rule and Dave Aranda, Julian McGuire had a lot to do with that. He's improved Tech's recruiting profile. Um, he's exactly the kind of coach I think Tech needs at this stage in their development because they're, they're not just trying to rebuild their football program and make themselves a consistent bowl-eligible team again. They need somebody who wants to be in the area. McGuire wants to be there. They're you know, building new facilities on campus. They're making a bigger commitment to football because when Texas and Oklahoma transition away, they want to be, they want to try and be positioned to be the big dog in this conference. And McGuire, I think, puts them in a position to do that. I think he, he's showing a better rapport with recruits. I think Dykes has done a fine job, but I think long term, I think McGuire may end up being the better answer for his school than Dykes at TCU. Interesting. And Donovan Smith, remember Chuck transferred from uh, Oregon. He was going to be the dude. I got hurt, right? I think, yeah, he got hurt early in the season. Donovan Smith, Donovan Smith was terrific against Iowa State. Uh, I remember that vividly uh, as they as they uh, got past Iowa State. Is, is Smith going to win that job this year? Is Chuck, obviously he'll compete for it. Who, who ultimately will win? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch because uh, I think um, yeah, I, they both bring certain offsets to that position. Uh, I think it's really going to depend entirely on what kind of uh, what kind of offense McGuire and his staff settle on. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them both splitting reps to start the season just to see how things go. Um, Shuck's going to give them a steadier hand because he has a lot more experience at the position, but you know, Smith's got a lot of athletic ability and, and, a, and a lot of escapability. He, he can create things when plays break down that Shuck isn't able to do. I saw Shuck in person last year, early in the season. I was impressed with his ability as a quarterback. But I, I, I think maybe by Big 12 play, it might be uh, Donovan Smith's job, at least to start with. So Texas is always so intriguing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the conversation with them. You got the new signal caller now in Quinn Ewers and he started his career at Ohio State, the NIL money, everything else. Is he a cinch to win that job? Is he? I well, good question Probably. right there for Matt. And just this team of overall, they got to fix the offensive line, got to fix the defense. Does that happen in your mind in year two? And what about that quarterback spot? Uh, starting a quarterback, I think ultimately Ewers will get the job. Uh, I think they Card was competitive with them in the spring, and I think they'll continue to compete. But I don't think Steve Sarkeesian wants another repeat of last year where he toggled between Hudson mm, Card yeah. and Kofi Thompson. I think yeah. he wants to commit to somebody at the beginning of the season, and I think that somebody's going to be Quinn Ewers. He has a big arm. Like you said, he was at Ohio State. I actually saw him, well, practice before the Michigan game up here in November. Uh, but he's already got a year of college under his belt. He seems to have acclimated quickly to being in Austin, and I think it's where he wants to be. Uh, and for the rest of the team, you know, Sarkeesian made it clear in April, I think I conveyed this to you guys the last time we talked, was they feel like the success of their team offensively is going to be, you know, Bijan Robinson and whether or not they can run the ball when the defense knows they're going to run the ball. Mm -hmm. So, like you said, rebuilding that offensive line, getting them to a point where they can be that kind of an offensive line where they can impose their will on the defense and make things easier for Bijan Robinson and the rest of that stable of running backs, that's going to be the real determinative factor, at least early on in their success. Um, the nice thing is because you have a Bijan Robinson, you don't have to lean on Quinn Ewers as much. I see him becoming a quarterback that kind of develops and be, becomes more productive over the course of the season, whereas they lean on that running game early on, which should be a really interesting test against Alabama in the second week because obviously they have a, a great run defense and a great defense overall. 
Uh, K-State's got my attention. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is back. Uh, they won They won more games than I thought they were going to win last year, including they've won their bowl game, didn't they? Yeah, they did. They finished uh, with a – they played after January 1st. Weren't they the ones that played in Houston? Against LSU. LSU. Thank you, yeah. Trent. Yes. Um, so Adrian Martinez, the former Husker quarterback, is is going to be the guy. They've got a running game with Vaughn. Martinez can run it. Maybe not the most accurate quarterback, but he's got um, – and he's tough. You've got to give that to him because he took some shots uh, in the Big Ten. What do you see What do you see? Uh, K-State's ceiling this year? Um, I, I think they can win – you know, honestly, eight or nine games. I saw Martinez in person last year uh, against Fordham, and you know, honestly, I was I came away from that game being a bit more impressed than I was expecting to be. I mean, yes, he doesn't have the most accurate arm, but he's tough. He understands how to run an offense, and I think you know, within the framework of what K State likes to do offensively, I think he's a really good fit. I mean, they're going to lean on Deuce Vaughn. They're going to lean on running the football and controlling the game. That's what they do best. I think they're stealthily better defensively than I think people are giving them credit for. Um, you know, they've got two or three kids that are popping up on preseason All-American teams, so they've, they've got some talent throughout that team. I, I could see them winning eight or nine games and being one of those really kind of stealthy, you know, contenders for that, you know, second Big 12 championship playoff berth. I don't think they would win the conference outright, but I think they could put themselves in a position to get to the championship game if a few things fall into place and, you know, guys like Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez have big, big seasons. Well, we've talked, what, 10, 12 minutes here, and we haven't brought up the reigning champions or <laughs> yeah. the team that they played in that championship game, which was a great one, Baylor and mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. People like them. What are your thought on the two teams that we saw play for the championship a year ago, the Cowboys and the Bears? I think they're both well-positioned. I Jeez. mean, having Blake Shape in a quarterback, yeah. having that mm-hmm. settled early on during spring workouts, I think is going to benefit Baylor greatly. Uh, they've lost some key pieces, no question, on both sides, but... You know, Dave Aranda has now, you know, got the pipeline to the point where he has quality talent at those positions, like running back, like safety, where he can lean on guys who have been in the system for a couple of years. You know, as for Oklahoma State, I mean, you've still got Spencer Sanders yep. at quarterback, so you've still got talent and experience there, and I think that comes in handy. I think a big question for them is with Jim Knowles going to take the defensive job at Ohio State, um, as far as coordinating that defense. Are they going to be similar to what they were last year? Is there going to be a drop off? Can their new coordinator kind of take them to a new level defensively? Because that was the real differentiator for Oklahoma State last year was their ability to play defense. Um, if they can play at that level again defensively, uh, they're going to be a big determinant who wins this conference. Uh, Matt, uh, I'll put two of these together for the sake of time. Uh, your thoughts on Iowa State, and then is this the year that JT Daniels lives up to those five stars that were beside his name when he left high school? Didn't work out, obviously, USC, Georgia. He's now now at West Virginia. Your thoughts on Iowa State and JT Daniels? Does he take a step forward? Boy, I think West Virginia sure hopes you're right about that with JT Daniels. I mean, that, that was a big get for them. I think yep. that's, you know, relative to the program and, and where – West Virginia is, that was one of their biggest gets in terms of the transfer portal, was to get a quarterback with that kind of experience, but also still, I think, has a ceiling. I don't think he has met the level where he can be as a quarterback, and now West Virginia's job is to get him there. He's got quality weapons around him. They've got another stealthily good defense, in my opinion. Um, I I think it's it's going to be interesting to watch because I think he can get there. It's a question of whether or not um, 
the pieces around them fall into place. As for Iowa State, I mean, obviously, I think there's some level of rebuilding to do with uh, all the players that were lost in the draft, including Brock Purdy. Uh, doesn't mean they can't be a, a bowl team this year, but I think we're going to really – this is the point in time where we start to see, you know, with Matt Campbell, okay, we, we think he's built a program. Now we need to see what the program does, you know, with, with you know, Iowa State 2.0, so to speak, because those play, a lot of those players that helped them get to where they were in the Big 12 championship game uh, in 2020 um, are gone now. So if you're going to build a program that's going to be sustainable, you've got to start bringing these kids in each year that can help you sustain that level. And I'm interested to see how good they'll be this year, especially with new players at quarterback and running back. Quick hit on this. We'll get you out. Baseball, softball, College World Series. Two Big 12 teams facing off there. And the final three teams in the college women women's softball tournament were from there. And two alive in baseball. What do you look to see with the hardball on both sides? Well, with baseball, I, you know Texas has never played Eastern Carolina before. Um, and uh, East Carolina won their regional. So uh, I think that's a really intriguing uh, matchup for Texas. I, I saw both Texas and Oklahoma at the Big 12 tournament. Wouldn't surprise me at all to see them both get to Omaha. Uh, I think uh, Texas might have a slightly better matchup than Oklahoma, but Oklahoma really kind of had to gut out that win over Florida. I think it was like a five- or six-hour rain delay. I, I wrote the story on that game. It started at one. It stopped <laughs> at three, and I don't think it started again until eight. So it was wow. a five-hour wait for that game to finally get going. But you know, Oklahoma's got quality starting pitching. They've got quality offense, and, and I think it's very possible both of them could be in Omaha. As for tonight's game between Oklahoma and Texas, watch it. If you haven't watched any college softball this year, watch it. Because Oklahoma's got a fantastic team. They've got perhaps the best power hitter in the history of college softball in Jocelyn Allo. And Texas is that team that just hit all cylinders at the right time. They're the first unseeded team to get to the Women's College World Series. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Not just the fact that it's a national championship series, but it's, it's the Red River rivalry between these two teams, and that that just heightens the awareness with both of those fan bases and really across the country. Uh, how in, how deep into the College Football America yearbook 2022 are you? <laughs> Pretty deep. Uh, I just actually kind of wrapped up FCS last night. We're starting to work our way through the different divisions. We're actually going to have Clayton Soon, the Houston quarterback, on the cover this year. So not Big 12, but the future of the Big 12 in terms yep. of Houston coming into the conference. So uh, we hope to have that ready by the end of the month and out uh, in different outlets, hopefully by early July. So uh, working hard. Not a, lot of, not a lot of sleep on my part right now. I bet there isn't. Hey, Matt, listen, uh, as always, thank you for doing this. So I feel smarter about the Big 12 mm-hmm. and uh, kind of getting up to speed after speaking with you. Thank you, Matt Postens. Appreciate it. We'll talk in the weeks ahead, okay? Sounds great, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you, Matt Postens. Follow him on Twitter, at Postens Postcards. Uh, Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. What a great resource for the Big 12. It really is. It, it really. They do a lot of work over there, a lot of good work over there. Derek Duke, Pete Mundo, and the whole crew, always information. They're delving into deeper, too. They got softball coverage. They got baseball coverage. They got women's basketball coverage now. So it's more from starting from football. Yeah. And the Anabats. No, they've expanded. Yeah, and they for keep sure. going, going. And I know uh, they got a pod, podcast network now started up. They have right now, I believe, both the Kansas, the Kansas State, and Oklahoma podcast of Texas, and they're working on an Iowa State one. I heard uh, Pete Mundo say a week or two ago. So. Working on it with who? Searching for one? Right. Yes. Yeah. But uh, trying to put together a podcast Why don't network they just with everyone. Put Bloom and Williams because they work for a different company. Okay, so that's not the type of business that they're doing. They want it under their umbrella. Right. Gotcha. Yep. They're not a uh, 
a clearinghouse, if you will, right. for podcasts. All right, we'll take our time out. Trent's play of the day. If you've been listening to the program, you've got a pretty good idea which way he's going. <laughs> yes. Uh, but we will do that next. Miller and Condon. One final segment on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.0.com. Des Moines homeowners have two questions. What's the best time to rent out my home? And what's the best way to do it? The best time is when you're moving, relocating, combining households, inheriting a house, or you just don't want to pay a mortgage anymore. The best way to rent? Hire Renner's Warehouse. Whether you have one home or a property portfolio, Renner's Warehouse does the work so you don't have to. They perfectly price your property so you don't have to. They find great tenants in just 17 days on average so you don't have to. And for a small flat monthly fee, their professional landlords manage your property 24-7 so you don't have to. Collect the rent? You don't have to. Maintenance, inspections, and tax paperwork? You don't have to. There's no upfront fees, no binding contracts, and you can cancel at any time. Find out what your home will rent for by calling 515-528-4429 or go to renterswarehouse.com. That's renterswarehouse.com. Renters Warehouse, Des Moines. You can't buy happiness. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Craig Allison has years of experience in the mound business and is Victory Mounds National Sales Executive. While Mike Donahoe is in charge of field equipment and products. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do for you. For details. Trent's Pick of the Day is brought to you by Circus Sports. Download the Circus Sports app today to play with Trent or against him. All right, Miller Condon, final couple of minutes. Murphy and Andy coming up at one. The Fanatics at three. Uh, Hawk Central tonight goes at six. Are you working a double shift today? I am. Yeah, You're I'll, a fanatic? I'll be a fanatic today, hanging out with Ross this afternoon, be on with him starting at 3 o'clock. Looking forward to throwing her a little round with PD. Always a fun conversation Absolutely. with him. Absolutely. Well, let's get to your play of the day. Circus Sports sponsors that. We know you're going to take the Yankees to beat the Twins. Yes. We know you're going to come right back with the Red Sox to beat the Angels. Mm-hmm. Is it 12 or 13 now? 13? 13, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, and we both like Boston tonight. Is is does it end there? Have you found something else? Uh, so we got Golden State plus 141 money line. Yankees minus 167. Red Sox minus 149. A little too much favor for my love, so... Put them together. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> we're going to jump on the Guardians today. Bieber's back on the bump. Going to lay the one and a half against the Rangers. Plus 145 with that, with the Guardians here this and afternoon. And they split yesterday, correct? Yeah, yeah, they did. They split. And, uh, well, we got golf starting tomorrow. You know I'm firing at that. I'm back on the well with Matthew Fitzpatrick. 19 to 1 this week, taking him to win. I got a bunch of top 20. Shane Lowry, Ty Hatton, uh, CT Pan, Brian Stewart's 8 to 1 to make the top 20. And yeah, we're all over the place. So, but, but when you bet top 20, is it, can you break even if you got one or two of your guys? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. it's not a big price to be top 20 for the most part. Like a guy like Shane Lowry, who's like the eighth betting choice, top 20 is minus 125. Okay. But some of the other ones, like Ty Hatton, mm-hmm. he's plus 125. CT Pan, plus 225. Then I got a couple long shots in there, too. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. We are Miller and Condi. You can hear Trent and I 10 to noon, Monday through Friday, right here on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.